Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are shining the spotlights on art house films and the power of cinema within our lives. Today's focus is on the 2019 film Parasite by director Bong Joon-ho. But before we get to that, I am joined by some returning guests. Please welcome back to the show, two-thirds of the film podcast reshoot, Hector and Ruthie. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been a while, and I'm glad. You know, Ed had to sit this one out for some reason. He's busy, got lost in the time vortex, but I'm glad you two are here today. And, you know, to your recommendation, we, we watched Parasites. So before we get into that, I wanted to know, what was your intro into South Korean cinema? Yeah, I think we both started with the same thing because we watch everything together. Yeah. Uh, we watched Kingdom on Netflix, the the South Korean zombie show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that, is that good? It's really good. We haven't finished the second season because we just kind of got sidelined and with a bunch of stuff. We never got back to it, but it's amazing. Yeah, it it hits hard. Yeah. Good okay. stuff, bad stuff, it just hits. Wow. Okay. I love zombie stuff. And like similar to you, the first South Korean movie that I saw was Train to Busan, which is also a zombie movie. I still and isn't that one? Is that also Bong Joon Ho? No. Oh. No. It's fine. I I thought so for a while too. Uh, <laughs> really? Like I guess technically my first South Korean movie was Okja, but I'm not going to count that because it was like a Netflix movie and you yeah. know speaking English. But like Train to Busan, that was like straight up. They're speaking Korean. Uh, subtitles, and that was my first intro to South Korean cinema, and like I was blown away. Were you similar? Did you have similar sentiments when watching Kingdom? Like, whoa! Like, this is like, yeah, I know zombies, but this is a completely different take on zombies. Yeah, um, I've never 
read the book Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but it felt a lot like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because, like, it's a it's a period drama. It takes place in like the late 1800s, early 1900s in Korean history, and then they throw in the zombies, and it's kind of a Game of Thrones style like political drama, and then zombies. That's and it is so a good sick. job balancing both. Yes. So it is like Game of Thrones. A lot. Think about yeah, it. Surprisingly, yeah. Again, I still haven't seen Game of Thrones, but <laughs> surprisingly. I would say. Yeah, imagine the kingdom, but set in Europe. A yes. fictional Europe. <laughs> alternate reality Europe. That's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay, well, that's awesome. So that opened your mind to South Korean culture and... For me, like I was completely unaware of anything South Korean. I all I knew was that it's a pretty happening place, a pretty futuristic place, and then to the north of it is uh, you know, yeah, the Just prison like, yeah. country. So, do you think that that perspective influences their cinema and how they approach cinema, like that whole dynamic of like having this? completely totalitarian state right next to them and then how they deal with that i think a little bit but not always is my guess yeah if i had to take a not very educated guess i feel like cinema is influenced by so much cult like current pop culture and history the fact of like the korean war has definitely shaped North Korean, whatever, cinema. I don't know if they have a lot of it, but it's a lot of like propaganda type stuff. While South Korea, it's so much more open and free because they're not in an authoritative di- dictatorship. I mean, there was that time the Kim Jong Il, I think it was, not, or yeah, I think it was yeah, Kim Jong Il kidnapped a South Korean director well, to, to make, make the propaganda movies. Yeah. yeah. So it did influence what? some. Yeah. No, we watched uh, How to Be a Dictator on Netflix and they talk about. Yeah, that uh, dictatorship. Whoa. He kidnapped uh, like the best director, and he kidnapped a couple of the like most famous actors and actresses from South Korea at the time. And Not they Matt all... Damon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he. No, he was in China so. at the time. Remember Great Wall? Yes, oh, right, right. <laughs> and uh, they all got reeducated, and then they made uh, some of the best movies that South that North Korea has ever seen. She's doing air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I wonder if we can ever see those movies. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting dynamic that they have up there and how it influences their cinema, even if it's like subconsciously in their brain. So, I mean, you mentioned the movie, you mentioned Parasite. So let's get into the movie that we're here to talk about. So. How did you first hear of Parasite? So I heard about it on like, I go on the movie subreddit to get movie news. Okay. And they're saying like, see Parasite blind. Don't even watch the trailer. And then Ed, Ruthie and I went to go see uh, Ed's favorite film, The Lighthouse. <laughs> and it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. I'm, it's just, that's his favorite it. film. Um, it's, it's a good movie. No, it's a great movie. Um, But there was a trailer for it. And I remember like a third of the way through, I'm like, I finally realized the movie. I'm like, Oh, it's a South Korean film. And I just like covered my eyes and my ears just so I don't get anything. Interesting. Cause okay. I, I was, cause people were like hyping this film up 
not just on Reddit, like all parts of the internet who'd seen it early. Mm-hmm. So I went, to, I was going to go see it with Ruthie because it came to my local theater, which it never does because my theater only plays more local films. Well, it, play, it plays like the bigger stuff because it's it's like a small theater and like they've been kind of, even before the pandemic, they were struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. but then they finally decided to play Parasite. And I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling like watching it that day. So Hector went with his dad. Yeah, because my dad, who had heard nothing about this, uh, I just convinced him. So I'm like, come on, dad, let's just hang out. And you owe me because I wanted to see a while back at the theater, they're playing Ex Machina. Mm, okay. And I wanted to see it, but it was my dad's turn to pick and he wanted to see Age of Ultron again. <laughs> <laughs> he, he like he and I both love Marvel. It's not like it, I'm giving him crap, but it's just kind of like, so I jokingly, I'm like, you owe me for this one. And then uh, I took him to see Parasite with me. And by the end, he was like slapping my arm. So <laughs> at like the last few scenes, like so good. It's yeah, such a I, good movie. I know. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I knew about it going in, because I saw it like two years later, I vaguely remembered the trailer. And like, all I remembered was there was a guy who was pretending to be an English tutor. And at the time, like, it sounded like he didn't even know English, like he was faking it. Mm, okay. And it was supposed to be like, it, it seemed like a comedy, but it seemed really tense. <laughs> and that was like the only thing that I picked up and remembered. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like my story with this is similar to you two, um, like a combination. Like I first heard of this movie because I, I get targeted ads on social media and Parasite was one of them. And it was just this square ad and it was like, go see the movie Parasite. Like no voiceover, just like uh, the sound effect was like thunder. And it was like kind of dark. It was like, and I was like, Okay, uh, it's a horror movie. So that's what I thought it was for the longest time. I was like, it's a horror movie. And then I noticed that the movie, you know, picked up steam. More people were talking about it. Oh, it's amazing. The South Korean movie. And I'm like, okay, it's a horror movie. I'll, I'll get around to it. And then it wins Best Picture. And I'm like, wow, it must be good. I'll get around to it. And then it was your suggestion, Hector, that, oh, you wanted to watch this movie for the podcast. And I don't know how I did it, but I did it where I managed to avoid spoilers for the past three years. I can't believe 2019 is three years ago now or coming up to be three years ago. Like I just, I was completely blown away and I'm glad I went in blind. I'm glad you avoided spoilers. I'm glad I avoided spoilers because like I went going into this, I had no clue what this movie was about, but at the end of it, I was like, this was amazing. This was a, just a, a completely almost fresh experience in cinema that I've encountered. And I could see why he won best picture. Like for sure. This totally opened the floodgates to a lot of foreign films here in America. Like, I mean, I watch foreign stuff. It's mostly British stuff that I watch, but like, I felt like for a mainstream audience, him winning best picture opened up the floodgates to like the smash hit uh, squid games. Mm-hmm. Like I think if parasite didn't win, I don't think we would have like squid games be as popular as it is. That's just my opinion. Like it, it really paved told, the way. Go, go I ahead. actually told Ruth, 
I should told Ruthie that last night because I I haven't seen Squid Game yet, but I know the themes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know they're very similar. So I'm like, is this Netflix's like way of trying of like trying to make up for the fact that they couldn't get Parasite? <laughs> right, it's on Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, maybe probably they're like, yeah. we need something South Korean. Let's do this. <laughs> we can't get sense. five more seasons of Kingdom. Ah, new thing. <laughs> oh man so yeah i mean it was not what i expected and i'm glad because like it's such a ride and i'm glad we went on it okay so before we go any further listeners of the show know what time it is it's time for some elevator pitches please stand clear of the closing door so for those that don't know if you're selling a movie on a friend you really only have 60 seconds to do so and since I have two guests on today, we're going to split that time, 30 seconds each. Ruthie, you're going to start the pitch. Okay. And at the 30-second mark, Hector, you're going to finish her pitch. Are you two ready? I, I suppose so. I was hoping <laughs> I could go second. <laughs> no, ladies first. <laughs> All right. I need you to summarize the entire plot of the movie while avoiding major spoilers. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. This is a film about poverty and the consequences of poverty. And that's all I can think of. <laughs> I mean, it's, right, fine. No, it's, fine. it's fine. It's a hard movie to spoil or to not spoil when you're doing the pitch. It's, I think it's what she had it really succinctly. I think it's about not just how it's about this whole system of like the rich and the poor and how they kind of affect each other for arguably for work better and worse mainly worse and i guess just how it is when you don't part of it is when you don't look at people as people and i think that's what i'm going to leave it off to wow with uh almost 20 seconds spare good job and you didn't talk about the movie at all yeah (laughs) it's hard not to spoil (laughs) oh man but uh okay i mean let's dive into it so parasite we meet this family in seoul and it's uh they're um like low they're they're pretty low income uh family like they're they're really rough in it um they're living in a basement unit of this apartment building and i don't know about you guys so you you live in portland right mm-hmm. around New portland. portland so here in chicago we call those units garden units huh. not basement units yeah that's all i have Port- to say about that <laughs> In Portland, we don't necessarily have stuff like that. Like, you'll have uh, apartment complexes where it's like the first floor is a little sunken down, but it's it never feels like uh, a garden unit or like uh, a, a sub-basement unit, mm. you know? Uh, okay. I think it might be because we have a lot of earthquakes and like every oh, few years we hear about the, the big one that's supposed to come, so... <laughs> the big one? No, it's a... So- yeah, the, no, it's a thing because uh, we've been due for earthquake, like the big earthquake, for like thirty years now over here, and it hasn't come yet. And apparently, it's going to be pretty big. It's, I think, and I might be exaggerating it because I might not be, I'm not remembering this correctly, but I think it's supposed to like swallow up a good chunk of Portland. Yeah, we're no on, way. If yeah, I no, we're on a really bad fault line, but it doesn't move that much. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And as someone like- who's had who lives who's living in Puerto Rico and has had family who survived the earthquake in Puerto Rico. Yeah, you don't 
you don't play around with earthquakes. Nope. Wow. I never knew. I knew about California having that San Andreas fault line, but not all the way up there. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can see why you guys don't have sub-basement units. <laughs> it would be pretty dangerous. And it does go into the plot of Parasite because something catastrophic does happen uh, to the family because of a natural disaster. But we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. Um, but this movie centers around a family in Seoul. And I thought their whole dynamic was interesting because like, going into it blind, I had no clue what this dynamic was all about. I thought they were being cheap at first. I was like, you know, they don't have a uh, Wi-Fi, So they steal it from like their neighbors or like the coffee shop down the street that are like holding up their smartphone to like try to get a cell signal or anything. Curled up to- in the bathroom. Cause that's the only place they can get a bar. <laughs> yeah. And then I quickly realized, Oh, they're not being cheap. Like some of my friends, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, um, they're really low income. And that's like, they're like, literally counting pennies or yeah. whatever their equivalent is over there. And it sucks. It really does suck. You really empathize with the characters and their journey. Yeah. I think it. they do say it in the movie, but the, the parents, they lost their jobs like multiple at least times. multiple times. But like the, the latest one was like six months ago. So whatever savings that they did have have been gone. They also mention uh, that it's like you'll get like 50 college graduates applying for a security guard job. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there's also a big economic crash. Mm. Yes. I wonder if that's inspired by anything over there. Like, I have no idea because we're American. We don't really know mm-hmm. what's going on over there. But yeah, I mean, so with all that, it doesn't surprise me that they had to do whatever they can to you know, just to live. And um, our main character, one of the main characters, the guy. Uh, Ki Woo, right? The, Ki Woo. The yes. college. I, I wrote a list of names because I have a hard time remembering it. Yeah, Ki Woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a.k.a. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, his friend uh, Min um, was being a tutor to this very affluent family uh, in Seoul. Um, who have a really cool house, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, he recommended Ki. What was his name? Kiwu. 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 He he recommended Kiwu. Like, if I if I you know reference you to be a math tutor, um, like I can get you in. You just have to forge some documents. And so he had Kiwu's sister forged documents for him, right? Mm-hmm. Or was yeah, it? Uh, yes. Yeah, Ki Jung. Ki Jung, yeah. He recommended his friend to be the English tutor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then his sister forged documents and, you know, being a graphic designer. Um, I don't know if you can relate to this, Ruthie, but like years ago, um, I mean, I wanted to get into this concert and for some reason it sold out. And my friend was like, man, I really want to go. I'm like, hold up. Let me use my expertise. And I photoshopped concert tickets to get in. And we got in. (laughs) Damn. They're like, how did you do it? I'm like, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Man, the best I ever did with Photoshop was uh, making Danny DeVito a drag queen. (laughs) 
I taught him Photoshop. She would teach me Photoshop, and I was just playing around with it. Cause I, yeah, yeah. That's the most I've ever used it for, uh, like in a similar capacity to you, Armand, was uh, I had to like make a flyer, and I needed a logo. And I hadn't heard back from the people who owned the logo. So I was like, mm-hmm. screw it. I just took a screenshot and I copied it. <laughs> Wasn't that for a class? No, this was for work. Oh, okay. Gotta do what you gotta do. Or you have to like search for a vector image somewhere yeah. on the internet and like do some mm-hmm. digging. Yeah, it's it's a struggle when clients are being dumb. But but anyways, back to Parasite. So she forged him documents to make him sound legit and to have like, you know, have some credentials to back up his, his knowledge. And I thought that was interesting that he wouldn't be taken seriously, not on his skills, but based on the documents. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was interesting. Like, and then ultimately uh, the family just didn't really look into the documents. Thank God, or else this movie would have ended way too early. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I just thought that was interesting that he had to go through all these hoops just to be taken seriously and not based on his skills alone. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of uh Pygmalion or my fair lady in that mm-hmm. way where it's like, you got to fake it till you make it. But once you make it, you don't even have to like put as much effort as you think you need to yeah right it feels like once you you're big enough if you yeah once you're in you're in yeah yeah and what's interesting is i don't know if you two knew this but like one the family dynamic between uh this family uh father mother uh brother sister it felt so genuine and real and like this entire situation that they put themselves in feels so authentic i looked into it and uh bong joon ho said like this is inspired from his life being a tutor for an Mm -hmm. affluent family yes ruth oh no oh no (laughs) no it's just like which basement (laughs) i think i mean okay he he grew up being really poor so i think that's also what Took uh help no, it was shape just, the movie. Yeah, no, I was just being funny because it was doing me a concern. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said like he has never encountered secret bunkers or basements and any of the people that he worked for, but like he, he did feel like an outsider. He looked like the person looking into the box instead mm-hmm. of being within the box. And I find that super interesting because like I think a lot of us can relate to that, just being an outsider, whether it's economic or even social, like we all feel like, do I truly belong? And like with this family, I mean, more so with uh, the son character, uh, Kiwoo, like as he develops this relationship with this family, the super affluent family, the Parks, um, he feels like an outsider. Like mm-hmm. he even says at one point in the movie, do I even belong here? Do I fit in? There's also a lot of symbolism showing that he, in a sense, he doesn't. Because, like, for example, the smell, right? They all have that yeah. same... The sub- radishy rag smell. Sub-basement sp- smell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, I saw it as like, you can't, no matter how hard you try, you always have that sign that you were poor, potentially. Yeah, I find it interesting how... Okay, so I live in Chicago, and I use public transportation. And, like, here in Chicago, as opposed to other cities, public transit is, like, seen as just how everyone gets around. Uh, I could see like in other parts of the country, it's like, oh, only 
low-income people take public transportation because they can't afford a car or whatever. Mm-hmm. And here in Chicago, it's kind of like normal because it's it's cheap and it's convenient and it's everywhere. And I find it interesting that the father character of this affluent family talks about the smell of people that use the subway. And he relates it to uh, his driver that ends up being hired, who's from this low-income family. And I just find that interesting because, like, the smell is real, but it's like you don't associate with the poor. And once you make that distinction of, like, oh, like, all poor people smell. They smell like radishes or boiled rags. And it's like, it's like, whoa, whoa, man. Like, get off your high horse. Like, like this is a human being you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, he talks about it like it's a character defect instead mm. of, you know, just a side effect of being poor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it sheds a light on what everyone th- is thinking, but like doesn't really say, you know, that rich people are kind of out of touch with like, quote, normal people or like the common man, you know? I think Seinfeld said that himself, funny enough. I remember, I, I don't know if it's true or not. It's here. Jerry Seinfeld, the real person. Yeah, supposedly he's mentioned like it's a little harder to be in touch now, or some other comedian mentioned it was harder to be in touch with oh. the normal people now that he's super rich. That was a joke in uh, 30 Rock. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Tracy can't be a comedian anymore because he doesn't relate to being poor anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, the movie does a good job of showing it. Like after the flood, mm-hmm. you know. All the- They're just talking about how beautiful the sky is and there's no pollution anymore, but the Kims don't have a home. And- right. Yeah, what's, right. what can be seen as a mild annoyance to the rich mm-hmm. is a big detriment to the poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a really bad flood here in the Chicago area, maybe getting close to 10 years ago, where we had a really bad rainstorm and like, a good amount of the suburbs flooded like Ugh. sewer water coming out and like, compl- like so many houses like being destroyed by flooding. And I thought of that when I was watching that sequence, because it's just, it's so interesting. Like them, the the affluent family, the parks, they're like, like you said, Ruthie, like, Oh, um, what a beautiful rainstorm. And like, Oh, the skies are so, clear and like you juxtapose that with our main character family where their house was destroyed because of this flood that you're just so flippant about and i just oh i just love that dialogue because like you can tell like bong jun ho like understands like i don't know if it's like resentment but like it definitely shows like the flippant nature of like people that are completely out of touch and you don't really understand the ramifications of the words that you're saying, especially the people that are around you. Yeah. Yeah. And the camera work in that scene, particularly when uh, Mrs. Park is talking with her friends on the phone, it does such a good job to show a key take. take? Yeah. Yeah. Key take when he's, uh, when he's just like starting to lose it, like he doesn't have anything anymore. And she's like, not humble bragging. She's just like talking about her life, but she's like, Oh, the sky is so beautiful. And it's focused on her. And then the camera like focuses on his face. But even when it was blurred, you can just see that seething resentment. 
Like, seriously, this is what you're concerned about right now? Your son's fantastic, wonderful party? My son slept in a gym last night. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, I mean, the dynamic between the two families is so interesting. And let's get into it. Um, we kind of we didn't mention that um, the whole premise of this movie is so they're looking for work, they're looking for money, and they essentially this entire family cons this affluent family to be their their help essentially. Like the father, uh, so the son infiltrated the family as a tutor and then he brought in his sister who he claimed was like a friend of a friend uh who also got forged documents to make her seem like an art therapist that went to school and first she was an art teacher but then like she had the art lesson and she faked being an art therapist herself (laughs) yeah she's like if you pay me extra i'll also do this right and uh, side note, I thought it was interesting that her schooling that she faked uh, was uh, Illinois State University um, in Chicago, which aren't, it's not real. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a little bit of world building because, like, okay, you wouldn't know this, but, like, U of I, University of Illinois uh, in Champaign-Urbana has a huge Asian population engineering and all that stuff like like my friend he went there for engineering and like he's he's actually chinese not korean and like he says like there's a lot like i don't see a whole lot of asian people but over there there's a lot of asian people and it's just i think bong joon ho knew what he was doing but like little little wink and a nod to that so they brought the the sister in and then the sister had this other plan to bring in uh, her dad, and how did that happen, guys? Um, with the, she, the sister, when she was being taken home by their driver, by the Park family's driver, mm-hmm. she took off her panties and put it on the floor of. Was it on the floor or in the back pocket? No, it was on the. I'm oh, on the floor right of the Mr. Park's car, so that when Mr. Park found it, he'd get the wrong impression. Right. And it's so funny because the family is so close to figuring out in that scene. Like, that's the closest they ever get to figuring out the con. Because mm-hmm. they're like, but that would mean that and instead of thinking, oh, that maybe she, that there's something else going on. It's like, that he's just having sex back there. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, we're so close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, right. uh, I, th- I think the part that makes it work was the fact that they knew the the mom, while she's very rich, she's also kind of I guess gullible is the best word I can put it, but they call her simple in the movie. But uh, yeah, throughout the movie, she's like, she takes everything at face value. I mean, they can afford to. They're all, like the movie says, you can, not rich because they're nice, nice because they're rich. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that was, man, they're sneaky. Like, I don't know how they uh, came up with, all of these like ploys to like infiltrate and truly become parasites of this rich family. Like as this was happening, I'm like, that's where the name comes from. <laughs> There's also the inverse of the rich people taking the labor, par- being parasites to the labor and all the work of the yeah, poor. Cause they can't do anything. The Park family can't do anything right. without 
the help. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I thought was interesting too, because like, it just, it's just so funny how incapable they are. Like, <laughs> I think it was once, um, once they fired that driver thinking that he was a sex pervert and they got the, the father in of the Mr. Kim, Mr. Kim. And he was just talking to, uh, the father of this family and they were just talking about how he was saying like, Oh, I just love my wife, but like, she can't clean. She can't like do anything. And I just thought that was interesting. Like, you know, you've acquired so much and yet you can't do simple things like clean a room, make dinner. Like that, that seems like basic stuff and they can't even do that. They need people to help them. Like, I wish they went even further with it and like had people like help them wipe their butt or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting thing. I don't know. I like the movie show of, I guess, dynamics and power, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think it, sorry if I'm going too far. Uh, I, I find it more interesting the scene where it's revealed the basement scene. You oh, know, yeah. get in. You want to talk about? Okay, let's do it. Um, because she's calling uh Miss Mrs. Kim, the lady, the old uh, Munch Moon Mungua. Thank you. Yeah. Mungua was like, oh, like she called her sit. She called Mrs. Kim sis. Like we're both poor. Help me mm. out here. We're both working. Please help me out here. But it's <laughs> nope. Uh, it it's like I guess the. I'm trying to find the right way to word this. I'm probably going to do a bad job, but it's like the dynamics of just trying to get in with this rich family, be a parasite when there's clearly more than enough to share. Mm-hmm. It seems like, I guess the movie is also about greed. Yeah. I guess I feel like I'm doing a good job explaining myself. Yeah. There's like this point in that scene where it's like, sis, sis, please help me. We're, we're both struggling. Let's both work together. And both of, it's implied that both of their husbands like worked at the Taiwanese cake shop. So they did have some kind of connection, even if they didn't know each other. Right. But then as soon as uh Ki Woo says like, Oh dad, ow, you're stepping on my foot. It flips. And Chunk Soup Soup is like, sis, Hey, please work. Hey girl boss, let's work together. Let maybe don't tell them. And she's like, don't call me sis bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it was. So- yeah. Like, the entire power power dynamic shifted in that basement scene. So after the entire family infiltrates and like becomes like their entire workforce. Um, so when that housekeeper was, the original housekeeper was fired, she comes back and it is revealed that there's a bunker underneath the house. And not only that, her husband has been living there for four years and been feeding him food and like keeping him in this sub basement of this house that no one knows even exists. And yeah, like when it gets to that scene where the families clash and confront each other, it's like at first it's like, hey, I'm working class, you're working class too, we can help each other out. And then when she realizes that this was an entire ploy, a con, to take advantage of this family for their benefit, it's like, no, no, fuck you. Are you serious? Like, I'm going to blackmail you. I'm going to have you do whatever I want. I'm going to have you do crazy uh, aerobics with their hands up in the air. Like, you better keep them up or else I'm going to send this message. 
because she videotaped that moment where they all go into the basement, they trip over each other, and the son yells to the her, his dad, like, oh, dad, my foot. It's like, wait a minute. You're all related? Oh, my God. This was an entire, I've been, I've been had. This entire family has been had. Like, the movie turned to oh, a completely yeah. different I mean, direction. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was on board with the whole, like, oh, they're, they're like, you know, a con artist family. Like, this is fun and exciting. And then, like, it turns into, like, like a thriller almost. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, like, the, the thriller vibe doesn't even start as soon as they enter the basement. The thriller vibe starts when uh, Moongua hits the the doorbell the doorbell and she's like hey sis can you let me just like the way that she's framed in the shot it reminded me of like uh the trailer for the per the first purge movie when that guy's Mm. like he's got Mm -hmm. a creepy mask and she's just like the way she's looking into the camera all placid and calm and and sweet and with the rain and everything like the the weird lighting and then the whole point earlier where it was like when they first go into the rich fam when kiwu goes into the rich family's house it's all saturated Mm -hmm. like the the colors become all saturated because it's like it's so nice and surreal but then with this scene it's like it's like this it's like a really high contrast color of the camera to show her to show the old housekeeper's face Mm -hmm. and it does such a good job of like switching from this nice vibe to darker lights and like light shining down in a weird way and the rain's uh, like pouring down and i gotta say if you love symbolism in the movie like the bunker is my favorite like piece of symbolism in Parasite because it's like the way that the, how I interpret it in my opinion it seems like the bunker is a way of showing how the past affects your future would you like, like to unpack that yeah like in American terms because that's where I was born and raised uh your economic health can be can go back can be directly traced to your family's economic health during like post-world war ii in the baby boom the gi bill uh pulled millions of families out of poverty a lot of specifically like white families got to live in these really nice white picket fence suburbs and if you didn't have that you were more likely well you were almost guaranteed to live in like a redlined uh, community with like red or with like lead paint everywhere and bad schooling and poverty and it just kind of goes to show like Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, like how your past impacts your future. It's hard to escape that cycle. Yeah. 
right? Because they all end up underground again by the end. Mm-hmm. Some worse than some worse, even worse than before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to break out of that cycle, and so it becomes like a generational thing, where it's like, say, like, um, the the original housekeeper Moon Guang would have kids. Probably her kids would be housekeepers, and like the cycle will continue. Like there's no way to get out of that unless you. They'd probably be paying off their father's debt too. The reason he went underground was the loan sharks. The loan sharks. Yeah, I mean, it just it just blows my mind how like so many people can get entrapped by their situation or like external factors that they can't run away from, like. I thought that was so like the revelation of the bunker, like, like, so the original architect of the house, like this super awesome, modern looking house. And like, nobody knew that there was a bunker because like he wanted it kept secret because one, in case North Korea sends a missile, he has somewhere to hide or two, the creditors start coming by. And like, that's the whole reason why uh, Moon Guan's, husband was down there for four years because like like you said these loan sharks are they 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 are relentless and they won't stop until they get their money it's just like when you have debt you're enslaved to that debt and it's it's not it's not only like a mental prison but also external one because they won't stop until they get their money it's just I mean, I would love to see a, a a biography of this man's life, the director, Bong Joon-ho, because like, I feel like a lot of this is derived from like personal experience. Yeah. He's making a spinoff of Parasite on HBO. And <sighs> What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were also like reading about it because I remember uh, I'd read an article where it was like, Parasite, like the fact that they had those sub basement apartments like so heavily featured in the movie, it became a huge conversation point for like the South Korean government to actually take care of people in those situations. And then COVID happened, of course. But like at the end of one of the articles, they talked about uh, the city that Bong Joo-ho is from. They want to put they want to make a statue of out of like of Bong Joo-ho for the city. They want to make a museum to him and they want to rename like several several streets, one in honor of him and two in honor of all of his movies. No way. Yes way. That's amazing. The the people in the city. I don't know if the government want wants that just I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even want that. (laughs) Because I mean if his whole movie is talking about like economics, it's like why not help erect a golden statue in honor of me (laughs) yeah um also they were the very thing you swore to destroy (laughs) and then the government actually did say they were gonna fix up help give money to help fix up 1500 of those yeah they were gonna space apartments they were going to like provide a lot more for specifically for those 1500 they were also talking about if you were like 60% 60% below the poverty level, they were going to bring you back up at least to the poverty level or something along those lines. Yeah. But then COVID happened. It's like bad. that was February 2020. And the article like came out. There's some bad stuff there. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What, Hector, you look like you're pondering something. Would you like to? No, I'm that just further? thinking, I'm just thinking like trying to go over like how 
big it is there. Because we looked up a lot of info about the... We kind of got into a rabbit hole looking up about the apartments. Mm-hmm. Like, they technically weren't even supposed to be used for apartments at first. It was supposed to be used for, like, bunkers and stuff in case of North Korea. Cause, mm. or, but then uh, the housing crisis got so bad that the government legalized what was already being done, which was... And that was back in the 80s. Using those uh, bunkers as apartments, or sub-basements as apartments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to. I'm gonna ask for clarification. So these, okay, are there windows in uh, these sub basements, or is it just like a true basement where there's no window? So, so it seems like they so have some windows. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they have some windows, but not like okay. every. I don't think all of them do because I remember one of them saying like my cat can't see the sunlight often because there's yeah, no their their one regret in okay. living in this basement was like their cat couldn't get the sunshine. Okay. Because I never lived in one of those, because we have them here in the city. Uh, I never lived in one of those, but my friend has. And he said, like, it was awful, especially during the pandemic. Like, he felt like he was imprisoned in his own apartments. And which makes it worse because, like, some, a lot of, some buildings in the city have, like, bars on the windows just so people don't break in. And Mm -hmm. they're prevalent around, like, close to ground level those yeah. bars and so that that made it worse like he truly felt like he was For imprisoned sure. and he yeah. was like I, I need to get out i didn't feel like i was part of the world he likes his new place now i think he's on like the second level <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it just it's interesting how a society can be like these are not meant to be lived in oh we need housing you can live in them like damn the psychological effects it, it would, it's going to have on people. Like, yeah. Can you yeah. help us with money? No, we're not going to do no, that. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, a worldwide pandemic. Oh, we're not going to work on that project right now. How convenient. Yeah. Well, and there was the one scene like at the very beginning of the movie where it's like, oh, there's the exterminators cr- going by. Oh, should we close the windows? No, there's too many stink bugs. We'll just breathe in <laughs> all those toxic fumes. That's, yeah, it'll that get was, rid of the bugs. Yeah. And no, my dad lost yeah. his shit in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you're in a bad spot if you're like, oh, let's keep the windows open so the extermination fumes kill the bugs within our our area. It's like, yeah, that's uh, that's not good. That's not good at all. But getting back to the movie, so. The bunker scene, like, that was a massive turn because, like, that's when the movie went from, like, this, like, comedic romp of this family being kind of artists to, like, like you said, uh, Ruthie, the thriller aspect was really heightened. And, like, this sense of unnerving dread started to set in. And it's like, oh, like, there's, like, stuff boiling beneath the surface that's about to erupt. And... And this wouldn't be the first time that that this is mentioned with this movie, but like the class system of like the people that are literally underneath the rich and just like trying to live off of scraps, literally, um, both figuratively and literally. And I thought this movie highlighted it in such a meaningful way because like after the movie ended, it made me it left something with me. And that's, that's a hallmark of good cinema when it leaves you with something more. And it's like, 
this is a thought-provoking movie. Like, did you have like a similar uh, experience with this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I first watched the movie, I this is non-exaggeration. For like six months afterwards, at least once a week, I would be wow. thinking about that movie and like all its themes. The one thing that stuck out to me uh, when we finished the movie and the end credit song was playing, Hector told me that he'd found out the the song that was playing. One, it was written by Ki Woo's actor. Two, no, he sang it. I think oh, he just sang oh, it. Oh, he just sang it. I, I think. He, I thought he said. Wrote it I don't think he wrote I think he sang it. Regardless, the, the song's lyrics are like uh, a, a son who wants to earn a million, like a mil- basically be a millionaire. And like that's his dream, but he knows he's never going to be able to reach that dream. He's never going to be able to get his dad out of the house. Yeah. Right. Like, let's get into that. So, the housekeeper family. The, the husband and wife, mostly the husband, like he went completely stir crazy. And like, I mean, you you mentioned it before that there was this going to be a, a birthday party for the affluent family's son. Um, I forget his name. Uh, da Song. Yes. Da Song. Yeah. Da Song's character. Like he was having a birthday party and a whole bunch of people are over. And this is after the aftermath of like this giant monsoon type of event where it like completely destroyed a good portion of the city. Um, they're having this uh, get together in their yard and like the, the mom character is reaching out to our main characters. Uh, and like, it's like, Oh, you're going to come over like wear your best clothes. It's impromptu. Who cares? And it's like the backdrop is like, they're in a, stadium sleeping because like their house is destroyed and it's like they don't really have anything to wear or they it's like it's like they they're not in a position to leave but it's like they have to maintain appearances to this family because not like, to it's mention their job. Being, not to mention i think they're all being paid overtime yeah, yeah. so it's like mandatory fun you will yeah. have fun <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just I just feel for this family. And so during this party that they don't really want to be at, the husband of the former housekeeper escapes the basement and goes on a rampage. And this part went completely insane for me. I was like, I mean, it was kind of like leading up to this moment, but like seeing it happen, it's like, I did not expect this at all. And it's like, you know, so many twists and turns with this movie. And like this twist was amazing. What did you guys think about that? When I saw it, a part of me kind of knew what was coming, but like the way that the movie is structured, you cut, like I had a hard time figuring out what was going to happen next. Like there's a few movies where it's like, okay, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. Da, 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 da. This is the plot. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. This one, it was like, okay, we have all the facts. I know that something's going to happen. I know it's going to be really bad. Like I couldn't, I didn't figure out what it was until it was happening. And I was kind of just like, what? No, what? <laughs> ah! <laughs> I was a right. ball of tension during the birthday scene. Oh my God. It was, I mean, it started off with like, so the dude escapes the basement and like 
throughout this entire movie, there's like this uh, stone. It's like a decorative piece uh, that this family has that brings like wealth and scholar stone. Yeah, the yeah. scholar stone. They'd, yeah, and this one's specifically for like prosperity and wealth. I think from what the movie gathered, I didn't do research on this like I was planning to, but it seems like they're different <laughs> things. Okay. But this one's like specifically for prosperity and wealth. The irony. And I think it also might have been fake. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so the son was going to the basement to, I believe, kill this family that was underneath there just to, mm-hmm. you know, just take matters into his own hands and like just eliminate the threats. Yeah. And he so, said he had a plan to fix the whole problem. Little did he know, uh, Moon Gua, or yeah, Moon Guan, she'd already passed away. She had a horrible allergy to peaches and then she got a horrible concussion. Yep. And she uh, fell asleep and never woke up. Not before yep. telling her husband, like, Chang Suk did this to us. Chang Suk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Famous last words. And so <laughs> he's just, you know, bubbling with rage down there. And like uh, the son, Kiwu, like goes down there to kill them. And he bungles it because he drops the stone down the stairs, the only weapon that he has. And so one thing leads to another. He's running out of the basement. Uh, The husband has the rock, and he ends up slamming the rock on his head when he gets to the top of the stairs. And I was like, first of all, I thought he died in that moment. Oh, same. Me too, yeah. (laughs) I was like, what? I was like, oh my God. Like, I I applaud you, sir, director. Like, you're not pulling your punches at all. <laughs> Especially when so he goes shocking. down for that. The second hit, I think, is what shows that he might still be alive. Because as soon as he hits him in the head, he does react. And like... Yeah. That could have been it. nerves. I, exactly. But it leaves it ambiguous. He, I've, mm-hmm. I, I like tight screenplays that are like foreshadowed foreshadowed enough and there's a lot of like foreshadowing and like hints that it could go either way at times mm. he's a very very good screenwriter <laughs> yeah like it's there's not an ounce of fat on this on this movie no. like i was never watching it and i was like on board or the, you don't need this scene like everything leads to something i think that's intentional too with this with this writing because i i went i looked into his uh writing style a little bit and he says like with every character, like whatever their action is, has to serve the overall story. Like it, it has to lead somewhere. Um, like he likes character building stuff, but like with Parasite specifically, like all the character building stuff is bounced off of different characters, especially with mm-hmm. this family that we're following. Like, and that's what I think probably makes them very realistic because like they have some sort of rapport going on and like it just feels genuine and real. And like, with this screenplay, like every single action, every single sentence is like pointing towards some sort of goal. And I absolutely love it. Like it's, it's effective and and it serves a really good purpose. Like with everything, like every single action taken, which not a lot of movies in America um, do. Like I can think of plenty of movies that where it's like, I'm bored. What's happening? The actors are running amok on screen and nothing makes sense. And don't forget, tell don't, sh- they're doing tell don't show instead of show don't tell. Yes. Uh, oh my God. The movie that, the go, movie go that we watched, uh, Journey Back to, well, yeah, our, all, it's our for- Hallmark special, uh, 
it was very much like all the like it's only an hour and a half and it felt like five and it yeah like there's <laughs> one character who's just there for the drama like she's the karen mom and like the whole thing that she's <laughs> outraged about makes no sense and but she yeah. still gets like a third of the movie dedicated to does she find out if this lady's a con man <laughs> and it's so much exposition yeah it's uh yeah you know how much i hate those exposition dumps oh oh you're gonna love journey oh. back to christmas okay I, I might uh need to spike the eggnog a little too heavily to to watch that one <laughs> But like, yeah, getting back to Parasite. Um, so this husband character completely goes mad and he has like a kitchen knife akin to Michael Myers and he starts stabbing everybody. He starts slashing everything. Like he's, he, he's a mad man. He's like a bull in a china shop. He Isn't he just, just going, he just went for uh, the family. He, he only joked. went for the Kims. Mm-mm. Like, I think some people tried to take the knife, like initially. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. right, yeah. right. And then he yeah. went after them. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't deadly. I think it was just like a small slash. Yeah, just he went, like, stay away. He right. went for the kill with the Kim family. Yeah. If I remember correctly. He stabbed the mother, right? Yes. He, yeah. Yeah, he kept trying to. She he got a couple slashes in, but uh, She's the one who got the she's the one who stabbed him on the side. Yeah, she got him with the sword. After her daughter was killed. Yeah. Right. Yes. That you know, you're just having a nice birthday barbecue. And this crazy man covered in blood comes in and it's like everyone, it's like, it's like a madhouse because like before that, even before the rampage really started, I was like, okay, there's more of them than him. He's just one guy. They could take him. And that's not what happens at all. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you just hate it when your son's childhood spooky ghost like comes (laughs) out, turns out he's a real dude and he stabs his art tutor, man, relatable. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then you get stiff and then just you fed you got your and then best your driver stabs fed up, your... and he just stabs you and kills you yeah he you stabs know, your husband you know that that point where okay so all this is happening and like uh the father character is like yelling at um is it key take yeah yeah yeah, Nathan Park is uh, yelling because his wife is freaking out. Their son passed out, but she believes that he's had a seizure. And uh, they need to get the keys because the ambulance is going to take 15 minutes, but they assume that their son is in a seizure and he's about to die any second. Mm-hmm. So he's like, give me the keys, give me the keys. The keys are underneath his are underneath the his wife who's being like almost murdered and his mm-hmm. daughter is bleeding out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he doesn't care about them. He just cares about his son, who's probably fine, not yeah. the lady who's been stabbed in right. the heart. Mm-hmm. And then he sees uh, Dai He, who is the the daughter of the uh, the daughter who uh, Ki Wu is tutoring. She mm-hmm. is like piggybacking Ki Wu because he's been bashed over the head with the rock. Yeah, and it's just like my family's in chaos right now, and all you're worried about is an unconscious boy. Mm-hmm. And. The breaking point for that character, uh, the father, um, is well, as he's seeing everything happen, like his wife is like, does the does the killing blow to yeah, Mungwa's husband, and it's it's you know, it's very 
unique because she takes like a, a skewer for like a chicken kebab and like completely puts it in his side and his abdomen, you know, piercing all of his vital organs and his guts. And it's like very, very creative. And so he is dying and uh, the park father goes over to try to get the keys, which are at this point underneath uh, the killer. And as he's moving the body to get the keys, that stench that he's been complaining about for the majority of the movie wafts in his uh, nose. And he's like, oh, he plugs his nose, looks away, grabs the keys. And like, that was a breaking point for uh, uh, Mr. Kim. Yeah. And so he grabs the blade and with a fit of rage, just stabs it into the hearts of uh, the park father. And I was like, what? In front of everybody? Like, I'm not going to say that his killing was justified, but it's like, I could see where the dude was coming from. Understandable. It's like, 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 throughout this entire thing, it's like, you're, it's like, oh, like still out of touch with everything. It's just, it's like completely tone deaf, you know? Yeah, and there's especially like it's almost like a, a like a saying that Mr. Park has where it's like I don't tolerate things or people that cross the line and he's like he's told Mr. Park a few times like you've come to the line but you've never crossed it but then in private to his wife he's like that smell crosses the line ha 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 Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most intense scenes in the entire movie. You know, it's funny because like the, the end scene with like the rampage, like that's super tense, but like the scene before that, like probably in the second act where they're hiding from the family, in my opinion was way more intense because there's just like, they can get found out at any moment. And like the icing on the cake was that with, um, Mr. Park, he was just talking, talking shit about the family and they're right there, Mm -hmm. you know, obstructed uh, from his view. And it's like, oh my God, just so many layers going on. And I absolutely love it. The whole cat, the main family, the father, the guy who played the father, uh, Mr. Kim should have been nominated Mm -hmm. for the Oscar. I'm not, that's my hot take. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. And you should say it. Because like that whole scene with him hiding and yeah. like having to take all that embarrassment, it, it I don't know. He, his face is just so expressive. You just feel what he's feeling. So, if he should have been nominated, who was nominated? Was anybody nominated from that movie? No, uh, only for best screenplay and uh, best move film and best foreign film, right? No, best foreign film, best film. And uh, best screenplay, and I think he won all three. <laughs> well, good for him! Like he definitely yeah, no, yeah, deserves it. Definitely deserved it. I don't always like the Oscars. I feel like they have to pick the most artsy film at times. I know this is a weird thing to say during your season three of Art House films, but like <laughs> this was a really good. I think that's one of their better picks out of all the years I've seen them. You want to know an ultra hot take from me? I'm ready. 
I'm ready. I don't really like the Oscars. I mean, I don't think I think a lot of films that deserve to be nominated and deserve the laurels are not nominated. No. Like, I don't know who's in the Academy, but like, and sometimes I make tone deaf decisions. Like, I remember when Green Book won, like, it, that movie clearly should not have won, but it did. Well, it's all because of like, the social, cli- uh, the social political climate of the time. Yeah, it just seems like a big marketing pa- campaign to stroke their egos instead of actually caring about the art. Right. My exactly. mom and I, my mom made me go watch Green Book with her in theaters, uh, and we were just sitting there afterwards. She's like. It's good, but I don't get why it was nominated. It was before it was officially out. <laughs> yeah. And uh oh, it was just kind of funny to me. Yeah, it's sometimes what they pick is like it doesn't make sense. It's like, why that one? Why not this one? And it's not it's it's beyond taste. It's just like just look at the art form. Like look at the cinematic achievements involved, and it's like you didn't notice that, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know. Do you need the golden man to know that you did a good job or just the critical praise of your movie? And like, I mean, I, if Bong Joon-ho is listening right now, I'll tell you, you did a good job. And honestly, like the Oscars did a great job to expose your movie, but I don't think you need that golden man statue. Yeah. I mean, uh, Portrait of a Woman on Fire, that got nominated, but it didn't win anything. But it's it's still a gorgeous movie. Mm. And so worth the watch. Actually, both the directors are friends. Yes. So it's actually really sweet. Bong Joon-ho and... Uh... What's her... I can't remember her name, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're oh, friends. That's awesome. That's great. Okay, so we reached the end of the show. And to end this episode, we're going to do a little, little something different. We're going to get off the fence on a few questions about uh, parasites. So I'm going to start with you, Hector. Okay. Are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) I'm building it up for no reason. (laughs) Do you think parasites broke the one-inch barrier for a lot of people moving forward? And do you think specifically uh, with the Academy Awards, we're going to have more international films penetrate and not just American movies? That's a complicated question. I love it. Um, personally, see, I've always had, I've never had problems with like the one inch barrier. Um, I come from a bilingual family. So like my dad puts subtitles on for anything. So the first half was, do, do I think it broke the one inch barrier? Yes. I think it did for a lot of people secretly hoping for more. Okay. But I think it's starting to in weird ways. Like, um, I watched Chang-Chi and there was a lot of. Uh, just almost entire scenes that are just in Chinese. Really? Yeah, I think it was Mandarin. I think it was Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot wow. of yeah, just a lot of scenes in Chinese in a Marvel film. And I'm like, this wouldn't have happened without the whole Oscars. They wouldn't have the whole Parasite wow. winning and like just the whole. Really? That's my. That was my. That's interesting. Theory. Well, yeah, they can't even use like the China excuse because uh, Shang Chi didn't play in China. Right, because of something to do with like their censor, they didn't want like. Uh, Simu Liu, the actor, said some 
He said uh, China is a third world country in a way in how they treat their citizens. If I remember correctly, I might be misremembering the quote. Whoa. And addition- yeah. And additionally, uh, I guess. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was also like this whole thing of like, oh, Simu Liu is not hot enough for Chinese cinema. He's like not attractive <laughs> enough. He's what? ugly by Chinese cinema standards. Oh, Nobody would watch it. I'm like, he's a good looking dude. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and the second half of your question was what again? Uh, do you think that more international movies are going to be nominated in the Academy Awards? I, I'm i going to be pessimistic here. I don't think as many as like by one or two, but not for Best Picture again. Because okay. the next year's Oscars, like yeah. that's when I, the Oscars for, I guess happened this year. If I remember the lineup, it was severely disappointing in the international uh, film. And again, it was the same thing as all over again. It felt like Parasite was the exception because of how well everyone loved it and how the rich media ignored the themes of the movie. And it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it was just like a hype train for that one. I'm, I want to say it will happen, but I think it'll take longer than you to, I think we're all wanting. Right, because like, like my big gripe with like the Academy Awards is like, it just feels like an American thing, and it shouldn't be. Like, cinema is a worldwide phenomena that we all—that's what connects us all together, in a way. And like the Academy Awards, it's like we're just going to focus in on American movies. Here's your international films uh, segment, but it's like. Why should, why, why isn't it like the whole presentation is films from around the world, the cream of the crop, you know, like the Olympics almost. And it's yeah. not, it doesn't make sense. Is there an international, like, I guess it's the international, Cannes International Film Festival. Would that count? As that's close? not, that's more like art, artsy fartsy. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it's also not like an award ceremony. It's like, a place to show your movie type of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah fair enough. I just, oh, right, yeah. Sorry, I just thought, because there's always an award for one film, at least, you know, oh, at the okay. end. So I think Parasite won that year, actually, in the... Mm. Yeah. It got Best Film there, so... For for Parasite, I think it did break the uh, one-inch barrier, because uh, we are seeing the effects. Like, people are more people are watching uh, Kingdom and Squid Game than they were in 2019. Like other types of like subbed uh, entertainment, I I I'm seeing like other shows getting a little bit more love, even though they're not necessarily in English. When it comes to films, I think I have to agree with Hector. As much as I'd love to see more foreign films, I don't know how realistic it is to see them at the uh, Academy Awards or the Oscars. So okay, that makes sense. So moving forward. Do you think award shows like the Oscars are arcane? Yeah, personally, yeah. I th- there's got to be a better way to do it because it's, like I said, I think it's just like a big marketing ploy and like mm. an ego trip for one, the people who <laughs> judge the Oscars and the people who are trying to win like the Oscars. We need like an Olympics of, like you were saying, we need yeah. like an Olympics of the Oscars, like just an international committee that can look at any movie. Yeah. And base it in Sweden or Switzerland so they're neutral. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be that would make sense. Like, okay, so it's like, say, like the Oscars becomes like a branch of it, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, say, like, I don't know, this is like uh, alternate reality where Michael Bay gets like an Academy Award. And so Michael Bay is like, okay, he's like the captain of like Team America of movies. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so we have like Team France over here and Team Japan. Team, oh, so it's uh, like a, a tournament and then it's bracketed. So you vote for like, is it this movie or this movie? Would it be movie? by genre? Like each sport is instead of genre? Yeah, okay. And then like you like, have like... Because you got the, like your, you got your romances, you've got uh-huh. your, maybe the best... uh action even let's give some let's stunt men some love yeah um mm, okay and then you got maybe some for best writing even keep some of the old traditional I, mean, can, I feel like you can keep all the categories from the oscars just like move it into an international i cool. agree yeah i mean it's some more international films mm-hmm. we could do this in multiple ways we can either yeah. do it like country and like that's your team or it's like even playing field for everybody and like the judges are from different countries. So you have like the American judges. Then you have like South Korean du- judges, like judges from each country. And then they all come together. They have a vote. That would be, that would a be interesting way to balance it out. Cause uh, American cinema and like, for example, French cinema, uh, the, the one example I can give is like, if somebody hurts a dog in an American, cin- an American film, it doesn't matter. They're the worst person. But uh, I believe it was red. The main character, like, this igniting point for the plot was she hit the other character's dog, and that's how they met. But she's not a horrible person. It's just something that happened. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that that would not fly in, in American culture. So, yeah, then you have, like, different cultural um, things with, like, each movie, and, like, they would mean different things going across the world. I don't know. I think there's a huge missed opportunity with, like, the film universe with like delegating awards and like showing love to like what movies are like good, like technically. And also, you know, from a storytelling standpoint, I don't know. I think, I think the Oscars and like the award shows right now are a little bit antiquated and they need like a rejuvenation of sorts. No, I agree. Yeah, for sure. So the last off the fence question I have for you too. Was Parasite a good movie in the art house genre? Did it make you feel at the end of it? Absolutely. I think a lot of people compared it to Joker because they were both nominated the same year and they both dealt with very similar themes. But mm-hmm. I feel like Parasite stuck the landing so much better. 100%. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up. Like it's two different perspectives tackling that subject matter where like this class inequality that exists, this class system and Joker takes the nihilistic approach to it while parasites just looks at it from a human level and doesn't provide solutions, but like just showcases empathy on the screen. And like, that's why I think the ending is so powerful. That's what like left me, uh, that's what I left with the most um, when it comes to emotion was the father's story with the father and son. And like, it's a little bit ambiguous at the end, but like, I think Hector, you and I are on the same page where it's like, 
it's a fantasy that was presented and ultimately saying goodbye to his father because he's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just breaks my heart. And it's just, yeah. So amazingly done. It's, it's amazing. If it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have thought about it as long as I did because it, it uses, I, we, we had a thing on, we had an episode on endings, not to plug our own show here. <laughs> uh, we had a... We were Reshoot. Talk about, yeah, re- <laughs> we were just talking about endings and what makes a good ending. Mm-hmm. And I think my thing was, with Parasite, was like, it uses the theme really well. Yeah. To not, it doesn't just use the story to get a theme, it just... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Just combines the two so beautifully. Yeah, and speaking of that, like, uh, in that episode, I revealed my uh, hot take from when I was a kid. I didn't like movies that were unhappy because usually, it, from my perspective at the time, it was like, if it's an unhappy ending, usually it's just like for shock value and it's not like a good ending. Like a happy ending, like, you know, it's happy because it, like it, you, the characters got what they wanted. They were able to grow. They were able to accomplish something. Parasite does not have a happy ending. Like, it's very obvious, like, uh, the dad, when he comes out from under the stairs, like, he's got minimal, like, facial hair. There's no way he would have been, uh, Ki-Woo have, would have been able to make the amount of money he needs to, to buy the house to get his dad out. Yeah. And, yeah, it is, like, a, a love letter and a goodbye, but it did, like, build off of the plot and the characters in a very satisfying way, even if it wasn't, like, happy. Yeah. I agree. And that episode that you're mentioning, what was it called? How to how how the heck do you end movies? Was it called like that? Yeah, yeah it was like how the heck do you end a movie? And, and then I censored the <laughs> the heck. <laughs> oh, that's great. Sorry to what steal about- from your uh, your roundtable discussion vibe, Armand. <laughs> we- it's okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna pose that question to you, Hector. Now, do you think the movie made you feel? Was it a good art house movie? Oh, yes, very much so. Way It made me feel for probably longer than it should have. <laughs> it stuck with me for months. You're just an emotional guy, Hector. That's, that's perfectly fine. Are you guys ready to end this out? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. 
But that's it for the Simon Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about parasites. Please check it out where it is available. And now I'm going to take a moment to thank my guests, Hector and Ruthie, for coming on to the show, guys. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you for having us again. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. And if you want to hear more of Hector and Ruthie, please check them out on their podcast, Reshoots, An Amateur's Guide to Gooder Film, wherever you find your podcasts. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there where you can find myself and other podcasters talking about this movie and others. That is syndicate.com forward slash Discord. But if we miss anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.